night, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast MBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. Chuck and John will be back later in the week with a brand new full episode. If you aren't getting enough Chuck and John in your lives, you can always go to patreon.com slash fast break breakfast for three dollars a month you can join the slack chat john and chuck are on there talking about their breakfasts their dinners their nights basketball whatever else might come up so if you want to support our program you can do that at patreon.com slash fast break breakfast also this summer we keep forgetting to read them but if you write an itunes review a five-star itunes review we will read it on air and give you a shout out as long as it is not horribly offensive, you can plug your Twitter handle or your own podcast or your band, your blog, whatever it may be. Obviously, that helps us out. So if you take a few minutes to sign into iTunes and write us a five-star review, we will give you a shout-out. My guest today is a contributor at bballbreakdown.com, and he also can be heard frequently on the Almighty Baller Radio Podcast Network, whatever all that is. I know you've hosted some. Anyway, you are also the newly verified snotty drippin' Mr. James Hollis. How are you doing, James? Uh, let me put down my alpaca-coated uh, jacket and my gold ch- chalice. Once you get verified, life gets a lot better, so I'm doing well. Thanks I for ass- calling. I assume there's a welcome kit involved, like they send you a package in the mail with the alpaca, as you mentioned. Uh, yeah, two leggy blondes show up to the house with the, the <laughs> care kit. Um, a Swedish masseuse, you know, they rub you down while they go over the pros and cons. And then they uh, give you a briefcase full of cash and uh, a bag of Coke. And there you go. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. And I assume a personal cell phone number for uh, at Jack himself for uh, just, you know, if you ever need him. Yeah, they give you a gold Nextel two-way chirp. Uh, <laughs> if you need to ever get them, you can... Hit him like, where you at, dog? And he hits you right back. You know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. Well, uh, I'm talking to you. You're over on the West Coast, Pacific time. It's early morning there. Last time I spoke to you yes, in sir. February, you let me know you're not much of a breakfast eater. But, you know, I got to do the things we got to do. I got to ask you, did you have breakfast? You know what? Things have changed since then, man. I got into breakfast burritos, uh, oh. bacon, egg, and cheese breakfast burritos. Now, me being, I'm being carb conscious, I'll unwrap it and just use a fork to eat all the steak and eggs and stuff out. That's fine. Um, I always got to the, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the Jimmy Dean cups. I, Jimmy I, Dean cup, man. Man, I don't know anything about that, but I'm going to look into it. It's like, it looks like a little, it looks like the same size, almost as a cup as a small pint of Ben and Jerry's. It comes with a little pouch of egg, pretty like already kind of mixed for you. You, put, you just pour that in there, and then you pour in, like, the bacon and the cheese, and you put it in the microwave for, like, a minute, and it, it comes out with beautiful scrambled eggs. So in the, I don't know, seven months since I last spoke to you, you have picked up breakfast, and not only that, you're doing breakfast burritos, and you're doing some kind of weird egg and sausage cup in the microwave. It's Jimmy Dean, brother. Jimmy Dean, we know that's breakfast, like, personified, and it's uh, not weird. It's delicious. No, Watch I'm with you, yeah. don't you. Don't you be smirched, Jimmy Dean. Well, I was going to say, Jimmy Dean is like a verified breakfast brand. I mean, he's, that's, that's legit. There, there is no questioning that. If you guys see those cups, man, try, try them out. But this morning, I had a <laughs> cup of coffee and a bottle of water. I, I was running late oh, this that, morning. 
Okay. And that's what I think, I think that's what you had last time. But I, that's exciting. You've gotten into breakfast. Well, uh, your favorite team, the Boston Celtics, uh, they, they've been in the news kind of consistently, I feel like in the last year, just always trade rumors, always is Danny Ainge going to make the big move? Are they going to cash in their assets for a win-now move? They pretty much have not. They kept deferring. When the draft came, they decided, you know what, Marco Fultz, number one pick, no thanks. We'll kind of we'll take Tatum, and then we'll, we'll get another pick down the road. Their big win was getting Gordon Hayward. Like, so the patience paid off in they thought they might get, you know, a big name that way without losing these assets. So James, after all this, and now we're into another season where they didn't make a big trade. They didn't really do anything to drastically, I guess, bring in a superstar and they waited and got the guy they wanted in Gordon Hayward. How are you feeling about all that with the direction of the franchise? So I fought it for the longest time, you know, just like everyone else. I thought I knew better. I thought that they should, you know, go all in and got all these chips and why have all these assets if you're scared. But if you look at it, I mean, in three and a half, you know, years, Angels went from a lottery team to the East Conference Finals. Two summers in a row, they've enticed, uh, you know, high-level free agents, not the top dog, but high-level free agents to come and sign with them when they could have went anywhere else. Um, They've now had two top three picks and turned them into, like, you know, like quality wing players. And they have another two probably top, you know, five-ish kind of picks coming in the next couple of years. Um, they are loaded at every position. They're deep, they're versatile. I'm really happy with the position that Boston's in right now. Very happy. Okay, so some of that, everything you said is true. And they are in a great position, especially compared to almost every other team in the league. But I feel like when we grade this team, we look at them through that prism of, well, they made the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, however... I feel like they don't stack up that well against the other elite teams in the last few years. And even coming into this year, I'm still not sure they're at this elite team level, even though you may disagree. So when we try to get a context to look at the Celtics team, I was trying to look at last year and where they finished, you know, as you said, an Eastern conference finals team, when the season ended last year, what team, like how good do you think the Celtics were in compared to the rest of the other playoff teams like if you were doing a power power ranking like where where would you rank them right last year obviously the Warriors and Cavs are one and two um and I, the Warriors are a, a number one with a bullet and the Cavs are a distant number two right uh the Spurs typically were you know always going to be top three top four uh the Rockets you know so they are saying Spurs and it's the Rockets I I had the Celtics as, you know they're really strong they're right there with the Wizards and the Raptors so you know they're in the five to seven range um, as far as I'm concerned, there's no one else in the West. I think who else was in the West? Well, so Warrior. for, for, for my, for my take, and I was arguing with this with a listener or just not arguing, talking, uh, I kind of thought the jazz, I had the jazz over the Celtics last year, even though he pointed out the Celtics beat the jazz in the regular season, both times. And then I thought maybe the Clippers. So I felt like they were all in the same boat, kind of Clippers, jazz, Raptors, Celtics. I wasn't sure who was the best of those. And that's fine. That, that's fair. Uh, I think they were probably decidedly better than the Jazz, just for the fact that okay. the Jazz plays them. And that's fine, but it's close. It's really close. I, I can dig that then. If you want to put them and the Raptors and the Wizards and the Jazz and the uh, Clippers all in the same kind of tier, that's fine. That makes sense. Um, I don't understand. This is what's really crazy to me. Gordon Hayward was an all-star last year. 
Gordon Hayward averaged yeah. like 20, almost 25 and four, you know, which is elite kind of number. 22, five and four is absolutely, he's a great shooter. He, uh, he shot well from all levels. He's a strong defender, a lot better than people think. He's tall, he's long, and he's athletic, and he's in his prime. Celtics had to give up Avery Bradley, who is a very good one-on-one defender, but he's undersized, and um, he's kind of one-dimensional, right? He's, a, he's pretty much a shooter. Um, he, he can get to the basket and finish a little bit, but he, he wasn't great at that. So I don't understand how Boston signs Aaron Baines, gets Gordon Hayward to come in, drafts another 6'9 versatile wing, to go with the one that they drafted last year and uh, gets Markeith Morris, even though, so they lost Bradley, but you get another six, nine versatile player who can, you know, he's tough. He can play power forward and small forward. And, and uh, they, Oh, let's not overlook my guy, Jabari bird. Second round pick. He got a roster spot for a reason. He can shoot. He's athletic six, six versatile. Again, I don't see how people are saying that Boston did not really improve. To me personally now, going forward, do you want to hear the power ranking for this year, going into the year? Yeah, yeah give it to him. Give, give me your uh, your early August power ranking at the top. Yeah, the power ranking that means absolutely nothing. I got, uh, obviously, Golden State still, you know, they're, they're at the top of the top of the, uh, the hierarchy. I'm still going to give Cavs their, their, their props, but we know they're in turmoil, and we know that regular season-wise, they're not going to really, you know, they, they still don't play for the regular season. Uh, they didn't make any yeah. significant just Jeff Green and, and Derrick Rose. We'll see if Derrick Rose has anything left in the tank. So I'll give them a number two. But I'm going to say this, and people are going to yell at me in, online. I think Boston has made the improvements necessary. That if Isaiah Thomas is healthy, they will challenge Boston, uh, challenge the Cavs, not just in the regular season, but in the playoffs. They've improved that much, I think. Yeah, and you you don't think I still I think the Rockets I'm a believer in what the Rockets did with Chris Paul I, I still would take them o- over uh, the Celtics I'm not sure the Spurs are a huge question mark that's a whole that's a whole other story I, I don't know I don't know what they're doing and then I th- I think I think the Thunder with Paul George could be could could be special uh, you're right, you're right. as far as far as regular season I jumped the gun a little bit so I think Boston in the East has done the necessary work to actually yeah. give make them a legit challenge Cavs. But yeah, definitely the Spurs had a weird offseason, and we're so used to just saying, you know, give the Spurs benefit of the doubt. We still are. I think they're going to win anywhere between fifty-five and sixty. But something, yeah, this offseason didn't seem too great for the Spurs. But I still have them up there. I think Houston's ahead of the Spurs right now, for sure. Now I hear what you're saying. They added Chris Paul. They added uh, Houston added Chris Paul. They added my man PJ Tucker. They added Luke. Uh, Luke, a bunch of names from from uh, the, the from the Clippers. So they got better defensively, and they, they definitely improved their backcourt. I, we just know it's, we know it's not a clean fit with Harden and Chris Paul. They're two top yeah. ten players. They're going to be fine. They're going to do really well. In fact, they're going to be great, especially regular season with D'Antoni. I just don't think, like you said, uh, I, I I really think people are underrating what OKC did. Uh, Paul George is definitely a top fifteen type player, and he's you know he's not Kevin Durant, but he does enough things that Kevin Durant does without really maybe stepping on Russell Westbrook's toes. I think this is a better match for Russ than Kevin Durant was as far as, you know, the way their skills will dovetail, dovetail together. Um, so, yeah, OKC to me is really strong, uh, really strong. But I still think Boston's right there with, with OKC and Houston. And, and I think they're better than the Spurs right now. 
Yeah. All right. So, so looking at the Celtics, and like, I, I think they improved. Obviously, I, I'm a big Gordon Hayward fan. I think we're going to see those those numbers go down though, because he's not going to be For needed, sure. you know, to score all For those sure. points. But the, so the Celtics get, you know, like another another top score. They finally get like a legit third score, or now Horford can be the third score and like not the second score. But one of the reasons I don't think I'm as optimistic as a lot of Celtics fans are, I don't think they're going to win 60 games or anything like that. Is because I I don't see how the roster fits together very well. Like they, oh. they did add an, another top three, like Tatum and Hayward. Yeah. So so tell me tell me how it fits together. I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I'm actually excited to see. Okay. Right now, by my count and my my unofficial count, Boston has about 200 guys who are between six seven and six nine and can play at least two positions. Really, it's about they have eight or nine guys, not 200. You're supposed to laugh at the joke part. So, no, no, uh, I, I laughed on the I laugh on the inside. That's my thing. So this is all about positional versatility, right? We talked about we've been talking about positions of basketball for a, a long time. Boston right now has three point guards, and they have basically two centers, maybe three, yeah, three of you count Zizek, and all the rest of their guys can play between two and four. Now this is this is a, a great thing to have if you ask me, because now we can try out rosters that are that they don't sacrifice a lot of size but they can still switch everything on the perimeter. I think defensively, Boston is going to really surprise a lot of people because the guys that come off their bench, guys like uh, rookie Shemi Ojale and uh, Gershon, uh, Gershon Yabuselli. These guys are, I mean, they're not stars. They're going to be good role players. They can rebound. They can both shoot from distance, and they both can crash the boards. And then a guy like Jalen Brown, who plays between two and four, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I think the depth of Boston and the the the, the quality depth of Boston is going to really surprise people. So, like like most of NBA Twitter, I also love uh, Simi Ojale and Gershon Yabasele. I don't think those guys are going to play, uh, and I disagree with you on the positional versatility on two through four. I think you guys have two hundred guys who can play the three and some four and almost no one who can play the two. I, I don't believe in Jalen Brown being able to play the two. I don't really believe in Gordon Hayward being able to play the two. I well, think it's well, interesting. As a, as a league pass junkie, I'm excited to watch it, but I don't, I don't believe in it. Gordon was a two last year. Rodney Hood was a three. Yeah, so Rodney Hood cannot guard any threes. I mean, I know, I know he was Gordon Hayward was playing uh, a lot of playmaking stuff, you know, like George Hill off the ball, and so you could say he was charged with the task of creating offense. But, I mean, I don't know. The basketball reference uh, position breakdown, I don't think Gordon Hayward is credited as much as much to guard. So, I, again, that's why I'm a doubter. I, I'm going to have to see it to believe it. Okay. And, and that's perfectly what This is my thing. There's no real difference between twos and threes other than size and who you're guarding. I, don't, yeah. I, I can't think of a two guard where all of a sudden it's a problem that Gordon Hayward or Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart is guarding them. Because those guys are they're, they're strong and they're long enough defensively to, to make life hell for anybody. So I I I I accept your uh, your doubts and your worries. I'm gonna revisit you back in in uh, I mean I'll revisit you in January and I'll say I told you so because <laughs> I have I have supreme faith in Brad Stevens. He's shown that he can he can make it work. Whatever you give him, you give him tools to make it work, and they're giving him a plethora of quality tools to work with. And so we're going to see a lineup shuffle, a lot of lineup shuffling in the first two months as he figures out his rotations. But then we're going to start seeing, I think, that he's going to learn how to deploy his roster where he'll always have one of Gordon or Isaiah on the floor. He'll always have and, uh, with Gordon, Isaiah, or Horford on the floor to initiate the offense and make things run smoothly. 
you'll have guys who can we still are not a strong shooting team. Boston's not a very strong shooting team. That's true. They still probably need more shooting on the perimeter. But just being able to say when Isaiah sits, Gordon Hayward's on the floor, you're going to see a, a, the Boston offense is going to be so much smoother. Here's the thing about Avery Bradley, people don't understand. As good as he is individually defensively, his net rating last year was negative 3.2, meaning that the team operated at three points per 100 possessions better when he sat than when he was on the floor. And it's a, it was, maybe it's one of those anomalies, but the point is, as a great individual, individual defender as he was, Boston's depth can make up for the loss to him. So I think a big question, uh, I want to keep talking about the fit too, because I feel like that's the most interesting thing. But a big question you see like when Isaiah Thomas sits, another reason maybe I'm not as bullish on the Celtics as again, and again, I think they're obviously going to be, you know, they're a top two team in the East. You know, now we're we're nitpicking, you know, how good they are, how many games they're going to win, like over 50 probably. Uh, So my question is, if Isaiah Thomas sits or if Isaiah Thomas is not healthy or misses some games, can the Celtics win a basketball game this year that Isaiah Thomas doesn't play? Hands down. So this is my thing with, with Isaiah Thomas. And I think we're, he went from underrated to someone trying to overrate him to now again, he's being underrated, but the way Boston operates, uh, sure. The team, I think was like 16 points per game, uh, points from hundred percent better when he was on the floor last year, but they didn't have Gordon Hayward. Again, I think people are forgetting how good Gordon Hayward really is. Having a guy like Gordon Hayward and then Al Horford, like you said, it allows Gordon Hayward allows everyone to slide into the natural spots, the natural slots. Horford should not be your second best player. If you want to be a good team. Now he's the third best player, which I think he's really the second best. I think Gordon Hayward's the best player and Horford's the second all around best player on that team. But that's a discussion for another day. Um, yeah. Yeah. So now this is the thing. He, I love Isaiah. The team operated so well when he was on offensively better when he was on the floor. When he, when he was on the floor, the defense went to the dumpster. So, you're going to lose a little bit offensively. Let's say you sit him for a week. Let's say the hip's not right, and he or he gets dinged up. You lose a little bit offensively, but I think you gain so much more defensive integrity. Sure, you're not as good a team, but I don't think it, it kills you the way people think it's going to kill you. Yeah, one of one of the magic things of the Celtics season last year was that Isaiah Thomas, obviously his offensive performance was was extraordinary, and specifically his fourth quarter scoring was amazing. I mean, he was locked in all fourth quarter. The Celtics did great in close games. His clutch shooting numbers were incredible. And and one of those things, like the Celtics winning fifty three games last year, being the number one seed in the East, is a lot of it was because they outperformed their expected wins based on their, their total team stats. Uh, again, I was on basketball reference this morning, uh, just briefly refreshing myself uh-huh. with the Celtics, you know, and they were expected to win 48 games based on their, you know, their overall stats, but they won 53 on the basis of those big shots. So while I also like to, you know, deride Isaiah Thomas for his defense and his poor defensive numbers, um, he was the, the catalyst you know, for them winning all these close games and, and outperforming that win total. So again, uh, doubter Keith worries if Isaiah Thomas sits that, you know, I, I don't know if Hayward can create again without shooters. It's gonna be the same problem Utah had creating offense. Well, they don't know what the real key to Boston was last year. As even though Isaiah was the face and he, he put up the 29 points and almost 29 and six a game. Are you gonna say the real Jay- key was no Al Horford was the real key. Oh, I was gonna say Jay Crowder, but that's fine. I was just, I was trying to get too well, cute, and I felt bad for not saying Jay Crowder yet. No, no, because hey, look, and that you said, I think that might have been almost like the second kind. You know how people said that LeBron was the best player in Miami, but Chris Bosh was the key. Yeah, he was like the most important player. I, I don't know if you remember here. I had. I remember. I remember hearing it. That's that's people getting too cute, but I know what they meant. Yeah, 
Thank you. And uh, I'm the same way. This is Al Horford. Isaiah might have been the, the most driving offensive force. Al Horford unlocked that whole offense, right? When he was on yeah. the floor, he made everything else operate so much smoother because he's such a great passer. He's such a strong screener, and he spaces the floor so well. So I think that even if Isaiah sits and you got a guy like Smart or Terry Rozier in there, sure, you lose the pop of having one guy who can drop, you know, 45, but everyone else is so much more of a threat when you don't know where it's coming from. Look, the one game they beat, the, the one game they won against Cleveland last year in the playoffs, they were down big and they came back. Sure, Marcus Smart went nuts, but they did it without Isaiah Thomas is my point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that this team – and this is where it comes. It's going to be really weird when it's time to pay Isaiah Thomas. I, and I'm still on the fence about what to do about that. Cause I don't know if we want to invest 30 plus million dollars into, a, to Isaiah Thomas. When I, I don't know if the team would be that much worse turning those minutes over to some of these six, nine versatile players and where you lose some of that scoring pop, but you just become so much more cohesive defensively. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good thought. Um, talking about talking about that fit again, going back to going back to the rotations, uh, break down for me, like the rotations, like where does okay. Jay Crowder and does Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown all, all play together? Uh, like Marcus Morris, H- how does it all fit? How does it all fit in your mind? So that's my one concern is that we've seen uh, like Luke Kyrie right now in Cleveland, right? On paper, everything's good, but sometimes it's, you know, it matters. Getting playing time and, and the fit matters. We got two top five, two top three young wings who, you know, they, they deserve big minutes. And another team, they'd be playing 40, you know, 30 minutes a night and being able to put up 20 points on a, on a bad team. That's not where they are now. And let's see how long they, can, they love that. So it starts off with Isaiah, Gordon Hayward, Crowder, um, Horford, and they're probably going to start Marcus Morris uh, at the power forward slot. Um, I'm pretty sure maybe halfway through the first quarter, they're going to sit Isaiah or Gordon, whoever has it, whoever has it going, stays on the floor and they'll bring in a guy like Jalen Brown. I'm pretty sure Jalen Brown should be the first guy off the bench or Marcus Smart, first guy off the bench. Um, they'll roll with that. And then, so Tatum's going to go and get spot minutes, especially early, right? They're going to, they're going to do like they did Jalen Brown. Like Jalen Brown had last year, come in, play five minutes spurts. If he plays well, you stay on the floor, come back later. If you don't, you're probably done for the night. Um, and that's pretty much it, man. I think for the first, like I said, first month and a half, we'll probably see 10 to 12 players playing every night. Uh, they'll start tight the rotations in February. And, um, again, I think a guy like, uh, Yabuselli and Shemi will both see spot minutes at the four, maybe even the five in small lineups. Um, and if they, Hey, if they play well, they're going to be in the rotation. They're going to just be in the rotation. If there's a big lineup, they'll play Aaron Baines at the power forward and start him at power forward and, and play him beside Horford, or he'll just be backing Horford up outright at, at the center. So it's going to be really dicey. I trust Brad Stevens to handle the minutes because there's a lot of bodies, and you know guys come in expecting to play. Um, I think finally the eight nine man rotation though is going to be Isaiah, Gordon Hayward, Crowder, Horford, Jalen Brown, uh, of course Marcus Smart, um, Rozier will be have have the bulk of the backup uh, point guard minutes. And uh, Tatum's going to be in there. He's going to get in there. Him, I think him and Gershon will, will both be in the rotation. And then y'all, I think I think you left out Marcus Morris in that. Like we got nine: uh, Tho- Thomas yeah, yeah. So Hayward, Morris. Crowder, Marcus Morris, Horford, and then Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, Jason Tatum. I mean, that's a good. That's a very talented nine man right there. And then throw in. I think Baines will see minutes because Baines can really play. And and when we need Boston, they they really lack size. And they had trouble on the on the board last year. Baines can help with that a little bit in, you know, in 10, 15-minute spurts, uh, 10, 15-minute uh, deployments a game. So 
Baines will be there too. So that's going to be like a, that's a solid 10 man rotation right there. Uh, and you're not concerned about the, the rim protection and the rebounding. Both of these things were issues last year. They didn't really address it. I mean, you could say they kind of addressed it with Marcus Morris, but he's not, I mean, he's not either one of those things. He's always, do you not believe in Aaron Baines? Aaron Baines was a, a, a advanced stat superstar <laughs> in, in the, no, no, seriously. No, Baines no, no. Is, I like Aaron Baines, the comeback. Do you not believe in Aaron Baines is a, a great rallying cry for Celtics fans everywhere. <laughs> I like Aaron Baines as a, you know, as a backup, uh, as a backup center and even playing in jumbo lineups with Al Horford. I think if things are going bad, we're getting crushed on the boards. I think you put him in there and he'll, he'll quell the flow. He'll, 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 he'll staunch the bleeding. Um, all right. So, 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 so wrapping up, what is your, you right. You already said that you think they're, they're kind of in that top elite area. What, what, is, what, what is your expectation as of now in August? Like, are you thinking, you know, like high fifties wins and then they're going to show down with the Cavs and Le- LeBron again? I definitely think they can win between 55 and 60. I think they're going to, it's funny because I saw uh, Kevin Pelton's uh, forecast did not have them, you know, really having much of an improvement. They're going to win 55 to 60. Uh, let's, it's all banks on Isaiah's health. That hip issue, I went and did some research on it, and it's a little troubling how it said that a lot of people, even when they get surgery, they, they don't really bounce back from that kind of hip injury too well. So he's so dependent on his athleticism. That, 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 kind, of, that kind of concerns me. But even so, uh, I love the depth. I love the youth. I love the versatility. I say 55-60 wins. And look, this is the fan in me, I guess. I think they really can push you know, Cleveland, and, and they have a, a, a decent chance of upending Cleveland. Cleveland right now is having a lot of issues, and sure, LeBron, LeBron, but you know that magic runs out sooner or later. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any parting words for your boy Kelly Olynyk? Um, hey man, uh, Kelly Olynyk, you were great in Jane Silent Bob. Uh, you were great. <laughs> you were great in Scooby. I never heard that before. That's Scooby-Doo. funny. <laughs> yeah, man, you were great in Scooby Doo. You, uh, you know, let's hope they have the the munchies that you want down there in Miami. No, Olynyk was a, a quality player. He never reaches potential in Boston. We always wanted more out of him. Let's hope that Pat Riley and them can pry out the talent that we used to see in such in you no know, in, in glimpses in Kelly Olynyk. Let's hope that Pat Riley can 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 maximize him and he has a great career. Didn't didn't he carry you guys to the Eastern Conference Finals? Didn't he take care of the Wizards? He had a huge game. No, he had a, yeah he had a perfect game. Now then, if you look at let's go look at his games against Cleveland though, he just disappears again. That that was so frustrating about him. If he asserted himself, he'll come out and look like a world beater. And then the next night he'll he'll he's content with eight points and four rebounds. So, um, I understand the concerns about Boston losing Olenek and losing Avery Bradley, but we got a we got a prime time player in Gordon Hayward. We got another year of Al Horford, who'll be comfortable. And I think he was the team's actual MVP last year. Horford was amazing to me. People will argue me to down about his value, but he was incredible. Um, I, I really have I have good feelings, and so if I was wrong, hopefully I'm back on the show and I can eat crow. <laughs> but I think I'll be back on the show. I think I'll be back beating my chest by January, February. That sounds good. And you don't think there's any more moves that D- Danny Ainge might make? I still feel like Danny Ainge is waiting on a longer game than he needs to. He's he's like a poker player who's been dealt pocket aces, but he keeps folding mm-hmm. because he's like, oh, I, I was hoping to to make a set on the flop, and well, so I, I'm going to fold. Like he's know, still putting it off for the future. I think we, we keep saying that, and everybody's saying what he should do, yeah. but we're ignoring he's exactly where he wants to be. They yeah. have two lottery picks coming up in the next couple of years, and they have, like, guys wanted to come sign here, and they're yeah. going to be very good, and they got young talent. It's like, 
we, we keep thinking you have to go all in right now. Why? Why wouldn't you want to set your franchise up for, for 15, 20 years of success when you can, which is what they, they're doing, and they're winning. So why would you mortgage all that for maybe two years of Paul George or, you know, Jimmy Butler, we heard things about him in the locker room in Chicago. Maybe Ainge and those guys are tapped in and they really hear these things and say, we don't want to, we don't want to put that guy in our locker room. We don't need that on our team. Maybe that's what's going on here. And that's what, it's kind of frustrating because Ainge got, he took a beating this summer. And, and, you know, people wanted to see Paul George or Jimmy Butler. There, I've been that guy for years. When we made the Eastern Conference Finals this year, I said, I'm going to let go of that because this team is better than I thought it was, was going to be this time. And it didn't make the moves I wanted. And look where we are. So that's my position on Danny Ainge right now. So I think Danny Ainge is, sure, he's playing a long game, as he should. His, his job is not just to win now. His job is to make sure his franchise is in position for decades to come, if possible. And that's what he's he setting himself up for. Yeah. And I can't disagree. I, I, see, I see both sides of the argument on that. Like long-term success, winning a bunch of games, keep setting yourself up for the future is good. And then I also understand the argument of people who are like, no, 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 you should, you should strike while the iron's hot. You should strike while Isaiah Thomas is playing, you know, at an all NBA level. You have Gordon Hayward, see what, see what else you can get. But Hey, I mean, that's the question in 2020, in 2020, I do know a lot of the people on that team now aren't going to be there and the roster is going to look different. There's just too many players. He's going to have to make a consolidation trade. And it's going to be for somebody that we all want. And I think that's going to be what people say, oh, that's what he's waiting for. So you're right. I think there's another move. There's another giant move down the road. There's literally just too many players to, to have on the roster that need minutes. Something's going to happen. Um, I don't think, unless Isaiah is willing to take a shorter deal, a Kyle Lowry type deal, I just have this feeling they're not going to, they're not going to max Isaiah out. Yeah. I, just, I just have this feeling. They're going to offer him good money, and he should take it because, I mean, he's, you know, but I just got a feeling he's not getting that five-year, 173 mil. He's not going to get that. I, I have a feeling. Man, you got to trade, trade him to the Knicks for Porzingis while you can. Just saying. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll say this. I would trade, I would trade him. I would trade Yabuselli, my favorite adult sons, Yabuselli and, <laughs> and Shemi. I'd trade them all for Russell Westbrook if possible. That's when I would go all in. That's my, the one move I would say they should go all in on was Russell Westbrook, and that's just for my pure fandom. Yeah, that'd be tough. Both of those guys uh, can be on the move. It'd be, it'd be tough for the franchises to train, but that'd be interesting. Well, anyway, hey, uh, James, thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on again. You got stuff you, you, you want to plug, tell people about? Um, just, hey, just everybody go to bballbreakdown.com and uh, make sure you follow every day. We got fresh original content every day. People a lot smarter than me are writing a lot better stuff than I write. And uh, check me out over on the Bod Pod on the Almighty Baller uh, podcast network radio. I'm sorry. Almighty baller radio podcast yeah. network. Check us out over there. Me and a bunch of guys talking basketball. We're, we're trying to, we're trying to be big time. So check us out. Yeah. The bod pod. That's about my boy. Adam, Adam Mares on that. And a couple others, right? Adam Mares, Chris Axman, Dave before oh. I, I school them every time. Coach Dave. I school them. So yeah. 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 Make sure you guys check us out. We're trying, I'm trying to get them to record this week with me if they can. That sounds so good. We'll, uh, I'll make sure I hit you up. All right, thanks. Hey, you know what? We're gonna get you one, man. Get me on. on I'm, I'm, I know, I know, I know three of you guys. I know. (laughs) I've talked, I've talked to Chris, but, but uh, I think I've only talked to him once online. But uh, man, Dave and Adam, I've hung out with those guys. I've had you on our show twice now. Yeah, I'm ready. Get me on there. That's it, buddy. It's time to do cross action synergy, man. I'm gonna talk to them seriously. You want, you want to record later on this week, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Hit me up. I'm free. All right, let's do it. All right, buddy. Hey, James. Thanks a bunch. Have a good day. Ever have me on, brother? 
All right. Thanks to James, a.k.a. at Snotty Drippin' on Twitter. Freshly verified for joining me. If you guys want more Fast Break Breakfast, you can go to patreon.com slash Breakfast. We're signing up for the fantasy basketball we're going to be playing. We have a Slack chat where we talk basketball and movies and television and whatever else around the clock. Also, food, drink, anything that goes in there. Uh, that's a lot of fun. We really appreciate all of our supporters who have joined us over at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. You can follow us on Twitter at fastbreakbreak. Like us on Facebook. Go to the Step Back for all your basketball information and entertainment. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being G&G. Fab break break, man. You understand?